What we needed was the semi to be the final, because that was a much better game. Who was? Oh, Burkina Fatu. Yeah, three Cameroon, three Burkina Faso were three nil up and then lost on pens. It's an incredible game of football. Afcon, Afcon's chaos, mate. Absolute chaos. It actually is. It is. You know uh, that? You know that ref uh, that blew up early. Apparently, he had heat stroke, so he like couldn't hear. People were talking to him, and he couldn't like hear them. So he said, if he'd have actually carried on refing, he might have like got seriously ill. Hmm. Incredible. Like <laughs> it's, it's mad, isn't it? You really don't know what to do with it. Anyway, hello and welcome back to another episode of the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joel Linton and Talisa, a fan. It's Mr. Michael Breslin. Hello, everyone. How's it going? And uh, Dave will be along in a bit. Um, His house has sprung a leak, so um, we'll see... He'll be joining us for the FA Cup <laughs> review later on uh, if he's not underwater by then. But luckily, ladies and gentlemen, Dave's got webbed feet, so he should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, dear. The thing is, he'll never listen to this podcast back, so he'll never hear that joke. So that's just one between me, you, and Mike, and the listeners. Um, right, if you want to tweet him about his webbed feet. Uh, it's, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Harris underscore 44. He, of course, won't be able to tweet you back because his hands are wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Oh, so this episode bit all over the place because it's an FA Cup weekend, um, amongst other things in the world of football, no Premier League. So lots of games, all of varying quality and excitement. We're going to do what we do with a Premier League slant, probably. So, but let's kick it off, Mike. Let's go to Africa. Oh, I thought you were going to go to Watford nil. Uh, who, who did they even play? Burnley nil. Okay. Pod Ross told him. We talked about, uh, I can't remember where we were, Mike, but we were talking to Pod Ross and we were talking about how much, how they couldn't pay us to watch that game. How they couldn't pay us. And then I spoke to Pod Ross after the game and he goes, goes oh, you never guess what I've just done. I've, I've watched Watford Burnley or whatever it was. I was like, I was like that time I watched Norwich Newcastle in the midweek. Well, I had exactly the same chat with him that I had with you, where I said you need to reassess some things. There, there's got to be better things to do with your life than watch these games of football. Like that's ridiculous. There has to be. I mean, that was maybe the most predictable nil-nil of all time, despite the fact that Watford haven't kept a clean sheet in about six managers. Oh no, oh, it's it's farcical, isn't it? Um. I don't so, think we're going to... Yes, Africa. Think... <laughs> Africa. <laughs> Africa, AFCOM. Um, I mean, mentioning Watford's pretty important because they almost didn't release his mail which of course would have really impacted on Senegal because he was uh, pretty good in the final. Yeah, he was there. It was a, it was a good game of football. <laughs> was it? Oh, it absolutely wasn't a good game of football. Uh, it looked like Egypt were playing for penalties... As soon as they for a minute, well. end the tournament in the group stage, it, it seems like they've been playing for, for penalties. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, one of the most enjoyable parts, obviously, is the penalty shootout. But the fact that the, the camera on BBC anyway, I don't know if it's the same on the Sky coverage, kept panning to Carlos Kiros, who for a while, <laughs> I, I didn't even realise who it was for a while. <laughs> it took me ages to work out that it was him. Um, United legend. United legend. Yeah, indeed. But... Uh, we did a bit of yeah we did a bit of a background um what would you call it 
just looking into Carlos Kiras's career because it is wild, isn't it? The amount of nations he's managed. Managed poorly too. Well, yes, that is true. He's the, he's the longest tenured Iran manager, I believe. I think that's right. He's also managed Real Madrid for a season in between spells as United assistant. It is a crazy career he's had. Honestly, Real Madrid, just a woefully run club throughout history that have just overachieved and overachieved and overachieved. Incredible. It's a great point. But yeah, back to the football. Um, Egypt, despite maybe having the most informed player in the world in the attacking areas, decided to play some of the most horrible defensive football I've ever seen. Um, obviously, there's Mane with with the penalty in the first half that he missed. Um, this guy in goal for Egypt, I can't remember his name, I've lost it, but he saved about five or six penalties. He wasn't even the first choice keeper till uh, till coming on in the round of 16 or the quarterfinal or something. And then he's come in and saved about five or six pens. It is just... <laughs> Honestly, you couldn't make this stuff up sometimes. You wouldn't believe it. If you made it up, you really wouldn't, but it's genuinely happened. AFCON is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Do you want to tell people about the background to that referee? Because everyone remembers that referee from earlier on in the tournament. The one who called yeah. the game off. Yeah, so that was obviously pretty controversial and everyone was laughing at him and what the heck's he doing? Including probably myself at the time, but it turns out that he uh, he actually had heat strokes, so he People were talking to him. He, he didn't know how long was left in the game. He had no idea because he, he was so ill with heat stroke, which obviously can happen to any ref um, who's refing in, in hot conditions. Um, of course, it would happen at AFCON. That just seems to be how it works. So he's since said that if he'd have actually carried on with the game any longer, he might have got quite seriously ill, which obviously isn't that funny. Um, and you'd think... Gets a bit more sympathy than he would have. Tournaments are absolutely mad because they it, are wild. Any they? like any clip of Afcon I've seen this entire time has been bizarre, absolutely bizarre. But like you look at some of the top performers, like Vincent Abubakar, who's been a bit of a journeyman everywhere he's yeah. going. No, they had high hopes for, but he is lethal for for Cameroon. Le- yeah, he was unbelievable, and he was yeah, incredible yeah. at this tournament. I think he scored eight in this tournament. Yeah, he's just out of a hundred goals, something. He's yeah, it's just it's just incredible. But I mean, I think going into the tournament, if you were, if if you like us and you be probably not in and you're not in and around great podcast uh, African <laughs> qualifiers all the time, you'd have probably have paid. You'd have looked at Senegal just thinking, well, Mendy in goal, Koulibaly, and Mane, and this Melissar, that's a quality looking up. And then obviously, yeah. I can. Like you look at Egypt and you've got Higazi somewhere probably, uh, you've got Trezeguet and then you've got a little player called Salah. So you would have probably thought to yourself that maybe um, these two stood a chance again to the final. Um, on the game itself, Mark, I've actually got a stat for you. You ready? Oh yeah, it's Will's this, stat of the week, everybody. Will's stat of the week. The Afcon final lasted for 95 minutes. Um, well, it, at this point, it had lasted for 95 minutes. This is tweeted mid-game, but it's so unbelievable. I want to keep it going. And the ball had been in play for 40 minutes. So what? the ball had been in play. Far on less the pitch. than half of the game. Far less than half of the game. I've got yeah, a I can't kind of believe it, if, if I'm I've honest. Got, got a follow-up for that stat. Do you know how many average minutes of possession City have by themselves in a Premier League game? 
It can't be more than that, can it? 38. Wow. What? Yeah, I couldn't believe this when I saw this. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my God. So, wow. So barely I mean, get the other two minutes today. Yeah, if you're true. Joking apart, I think your average Premier League game is about 65 minutes in play or something. So, that's so are, the we, the game. are we blaming the ref here or are we blaming Egypt? Oh, we're blaming both? Egypt all the way. Like, yeah. I mean, Mendy's not a particularly good penalty taker, but he, he'd seen enough Egypt penalties in this tournament by the end to know where, exactly where they were all going. <laughs> I couldn't remember. These guys, they've got Salah. fraudulent. Um, what, do you, what do you make of... Uh, obviously, Salah didn't get to take a pen because he was number five. Where do you put your best penalty taker? Four, one. Well, I think convention is convention is you either want to start you want to start strong and you. But I would all look. If I was taking a if I was if I'd done the Munich shootout for example, Mata went first, Drogba went fifth, Lampard went third. Uh, I think one nice. one three five are really important penalties, but I would have put Lampard number one because he was he's as close to a sure thing as you could get, and that is and I, I look. Maybe it's the way I am, but I want I want to score my penalties quickly because I then if they miss early doors, the pressure's all on them. Yeah, that's true. Like you score your first three and they score they score two. Like if you miss one late, that's fine, but the pressure's still on them. They've got to make it up. It's interesting, yeah, because both both countries put much, well, obviously the two players that we know the best, whether they're the best penalty takers, I assume they are, they are in their salaries. Um. Because Mane took the pen in the in the first half, but they both had theirs fifth, didn't they? Yeah. In this final, which is interesting. That's seems to be the way a lot of teams get going, but I kind of well, agree you, with you that. You know why? They want the glory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, go, you do want to be pen. in that situation. You want to be Mane, don't you? Cause, you do, yeah. But if you're Sally, you're like, so, yeah, do you think to yourself, well, if I'd taken that earlier one, we maybe still lose, but at least we got a chance. Yeah, and at least. At least he did take the pen then. Whereas uh, that was one of the first things the BBC comms said after after it finished was, and Salah didn't even get to take one. It's like, yeah, that is mm. the crazy thing about the fifth pen. Mm. But I, I, I just would take one. I just would take one. Early doors. Well, if I was confident, I was making it. I personally, put me in that situation in real life, I'm not taking a pen. <laughs> you know me, Mike. I'm not, anything that's not a ball down the line, I'm not interested. <laughs> it needs to be fizzed down the line. It needs to be the fizzed right down the line. Get the right, get the right shape on it. Um, I did want to talk to you about Salah because obviously you've got a really interesting year tournament-wise because obviously you've got a World Cup this year as well. And as yeah. you know, the World Cup, as expected, has a massive um, bearing on big awards and then you look at last year for example Messi wins the, Messi wins the Ballon d'Or rightly or wrongly pretty much because he has the Copper America and yeah. he's finally got an international tournament Salah's obviously going to have a really good stats wise season he started off incredibly in the Premier League it was it's going you'd imagine it'd be strong if he stays there in the summer um strong but even if he goes somewhere like Real Madrid that's increasing the profile even more we've got no delusions that Egypt are going to do well at the World Cup I don't think I don't think anyone's really expecting it so this was really probably his chance to win a big trophy because maybe they win the Champions League but other than that he's looking at a Carabao FA Cup and uh, this so 
do you think this is a massive missed opportunity in terms of him potentially being a strong favourite for the Blonde Or? It's a good point because, as you <coughs> say, it clearly makes a huge impact. Lewandowski doesn't have a didn't have a big big year for his country. Well, he's he's going to find it hard to win something mm. with with his country. Messi gets Cop America, and yeah, essentially wins it off the back of that. Despite stats wise. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski having the better season, although as me and Will have, have come to the the Bundesliga's defending. I mean, I oh, think God, I just talk about season. it. We, me and Mike watched uh, Leverkusen five, Dortmund two, and Dortmund lost five two at home. They're the most Spurs team of all time. <laughs> but some of the defending and the high lines and the Oh, honestly, it's like when people—it's like when people try to talk to you about Pele's record, and you're like, "Well, most of it was scored against his kid in the back garden." That's how I feel about Bundesliga defenses now. I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. there's just constantly three on two, four on three, and you're like, "Where are the rest of the players?" I don't. I don't think a defensive midfielder exists in that league. Like people have been trying to tell me for years about this Axel Witzel. Like, prove it. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, prove no it. it's ridiculous. Like, silly. So yes. So as far as Salah goes, I think if you if you win the if you win Afcon, I would assume Egypt will qualify or have qualified for the World Cup. I actually don't know that information. I don't know um, things. I'm just speculating. I was also wondering when the voting takes place because they announce it near the end of the year, but there's still a bit of football left. And given it's a World Cup year, a winter World Cup, it might be kind of a weird well, maybe. situation. Maybe. Even so, I mean, remove the World Cup then. That's With the World Cup removed, he stands an even well, better chance if he does this. Yeah, way. 100%. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I think this is the only major uh, continental competition as far as country-wise goes until the World Cup this year. So, yeah, that is a great point. I think it would be a missed opportunity to put yourself ahead of the rest, as it were. When you had the chance, obviously, in the final. Um, but, yeah, I don't rate how Kieros used Salah <laughs> at all. You mean it's all right. Yeah, pretty much. It is shameful, to be honest, to have that sort of talent in your team and to play like that. Best player in the world. Playing as a right back. Interesting. Um, Absolutely while, mad. While we're on the subject of Barmy international football... Um, did you see about the uh, the US playing in Minnesota? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Minus 13. They had to take two players off for extreme cold. I think, uh, I think, uh, was it the Amer? No, the, who were they playing? Honduras, I think. I think they were playing Honduras. Honduras. So I, think, I think the Honduras keeper had to go off. Obviously, they're not used to these temperatures either. It's just, it's just totally hilarious, crazy. though. Like, what are you playing in Minnesota in what is it, start of February? I just like, international football is like it's the most stupid, bizarre thing I think that exists. It's just the rules don't seem to apply. Everyone seems to just do weird things. It, it's not for me. Not for me, Chief. No, that I mean that sort of temperature. You should you should not be playing football in that sort of temperature unless we're talking about domes, but. Clearly, that wasn't the case. Yeah, we. Uh, to be honest, I imagine was, being on the bench in that game. Could you? 
on the bench. No, it reminds me of that pivotal scene in the hit movie Goal Two, where Santi Munez is on the bench in, in, in Russia and he's just trying to get himself warm and he can't get himself warm. He doesn't get on the pitch and he's starting to think to himself, lads, I'm a done here at Real Madrid. And of course, we know he he goes on to win a Champions League, but he did think for a minute he was done here at. Um, Speaking of, yeah, I thought so. Two players were treated for hypothermia after that game. Hypothermia. Yeah, and they were. Oh my god. But on the subject of goal, and uh, Santi Munez and his best mate Gavin Harris, we're joined now by Mr. David Harris, Mr. David Carmichael Harris, the Mosley Marauder himself. Hello, Dave. Hi, well, lovely transition there. Yeah, it was seamless, wasn't it? Um, Given he knew what we were supposed to be talking about, when he just joined the call there, he must have been like, how did we get here? <laughs> David Harris said, I'm not joining the call for Afghan. He said, I don't care about Africa. Um, not a fan. And he said, I'm only here to talk about British football. So we will move swiftly on to the FA Cup. Um, Dave, do you want to have a bit of fun first? Bit of fun? Yeah. Should we get Mike to talk about United? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, seriously, Dave, what, how impressive were Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough? Oh, they were, they were, they were good, weren't they? <laughs> Superb, some might say. Um, they were fine. <laughs> God, Mike. <clears throat> well, I mean, there isn't loads to say. They had a, they scored a goal that maybe shouldn't have stood. It's, I, I don't really know. Should what. stand. Should, should it? Yeah. Because he's not the goal scorer. Yeah. Based on the new ruling, I'm sorry. Honestly, I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. The handball rule may be the the stupidest thing I've ever... I don't don't understand it. I try and understand it and I still don't get it. But anyway, (laughs) you have 71% possession and 30 shots at home and you lose the game. That's... I don't know really how else to put it. They, uh, They should have won. Fernandez missed. I mean, I don't know what the XG was for the chance. They, if anyone's playing in the round, shot bingo. There's one for you. But Timo Werner puts that in, by the way. Does he? No. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how he misses that. We've obviously you missed the penalty. Yeah, I mean it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I don't. I, uh, Season done. I, well, pretty much, because we can't win the Champions League. So now we have to finish in the top four, basically. Which People keep talking like maybe we can win the Champions, Champions League. We can't beat Middlesbrough at home. <laughs> We're not going to win the Champions League, guys. Yeah. I don't want to ask you about Man United's social media, but I am going to ask you about social media related to Manchester United. Marcus Rashford tweeted uh, chin up in Langer or something. And there was a bit of backlash, including a hilarious tweet, which just suggests he turned to his left and speak to him because they're in the changing room. What do you make of that? Like a player feeling a player coming out and publicly supporting his teammate. I think that's a good thing. But a lot of the United. No, I'm good with agree. that. I'm good with that, especially given Alanga was subjected to some some racist abuse online, which again is <sighs> Unbelievable. disgusting and shocking behaviour. Um, I don't have a an issue at all with what Rashford said. I think that's fair enough. It probably wasn't tweeted by Rashford, but one of those things. I think it might have been. I think Rashford well, maybe on this does case. do it. Yeah, maybe Rashford does actually do his own, given it's actually usually fairly uh, fairly decent stuff. But I don't have an issue with that at all, to be honest. What I do have an issue with is 
the actual Man United social media <laughs> tweeting out a picture of the squad celebrating a goal or something and being like always together. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> of course. Have a day off, will you? Have you reviewed, by the way, seen Cristiano Ronaldo's birthday cake? No, <laughs> Sorry, no, this is completely unfriendly. Go and have a look at it. It's in the shape of CR7. Like, man's 37 years old. Like, come on. Like, t- take off the training words, pal. Get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on there? Oh, my God. Who was... Who was at his party, Bozo the Cloud? What are we doing? Did everyone have little goodie bags to take away? Honestly, this is, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's oh, it's, whoa there. The Daily Mirror, moment Cristiano Ronaldo is surprised by partner Georgina Rodriguez with the 150 grand Cadillac. He could buy that in about three days. I've always wondered like this. If, like, <laughs> three days... When sometimes when I try and make a purchase, the bank <laughs> call me and they're like, they're like, you sure you want to make this purchase? And we sure we're not sure it's you. Are you sure you're gonna make this purchase? And then you hear about these people, these footballers who have been surprised by their partners with 300 grand cars. Are they not getting like a phone? I'm assuming they're using a joint bank account. Are they not getting like a phone call that goes, yeah, are you, are you sure you wanna, you sure you wanna go through with this? And the surprise is ruined. <laughs> this is well, I mean, if it's on the joint account, the surprise is probably also ruined. Uh, uh, Ronaldo doesn't check me as a type of bloke that's constantly checking his uh, his direct saver. Are you sure? I think I think every every couple of minutes he just checks his phone to see how much is in there. It just shows he just shows his partner just goes, but there it is. There's a goal bonus. I got that for a tapping. <laughs> oh God. Where have we ended up on this? Because <laughs> that's so much more exciting than watching United play football. Yeah, that is true. Ralph I was Ra- doing everything I could on Friday night to not watch that game. It's true, he was. Ralph Radnick, like, it, it's. Do we have to start worrying that he doesn't see out the season? Because it has not been inspiring. No. No, you think he. No, made- as in, uh, sorry, as in, no, it's not, not looking good, is it? I mean. You've come in to have a guy hopefully like turn something around a bit, get you to the end of the season. Looks like they're just limping to the end of the season, probably no better than if Solskjaer was still there. Maybe even a little bit worse. Yeah, I I think uh, to begin with, the results are good. The performances have not been good at all, really, under him at at all. Um, And that's continuing... It is a difficult spot for him because all of the players know, essentially know that he's not going to be there in the summer, apart from in a in a hierarchy role. It it is a difficult position, I think, for Ranić, and and he's very honest in the media, isn't he? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. Do you feel this whole interim thing? Because Anthony he he said stuff about Martial, which Martial's refuted. He said that Lingard needed to take some time. Off. And then Lingard said, no, the club yeah. said I need to take time off. Uh, I'm a bit torn with who to believe. Like, is it well, just, do you think it's just Ranyard not protecting them? Or do you think it's at okay? first, I At first, I thought it was great, actually, that he was just coming out and saying what he thought. Um, and then, yeah, twice now, what he's saying has been refuted. So at yeah. first, you're like, OK, I kind of believe you over Martial, because Martial's a bit of a fraud sometimes. But then, sometimes. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. But then Lingard comes out and is like, well, that's not actually what happened. And then you're like, hmm, that's interesting because that's twice now. And I probably, oh, well, I definitely trust Lingard more than I trust Martial um, for whatever that's worth. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I quite like the honesty, but is it actually honesty? We don't really know. It's mm. starting to look like it might not be. I, I don't know what's going on at this club. It's weird. Very weird. Possession, they, I mean, they could go and play at AFCON because it is about that, that crazy at the moment. I will cut the... I, th- I do think... I know United um, didn't play well and they haven't played well for a while. I will cut some of the players a bit of slack this week, given that they've they've obviously gone through some stuff, I think, over the last week. It's a good point. Like, yeah, I I know, really I'm not sure about the harmony of that dressing room, but I am sure that some of them probably have faced with some news that they weren't expecting or at least that's I, for sure. I hope yeah, they that's expecting sure. um, anyway swiftly on Dave FA Cup the magic of the cup it was a good round what was the most magical moment of this weekend for you Dave what was the bit that got your Harry Potter juices flowing I mean if it wasn't for West Ham being party poopers I'd say Kidderminster I mean they gave a great account of themselves but I mean the obvious one has to be Boreham would be Informer. I mean, that's a that's a massive upset, massive achievement. I mean, sort of what the cup's about, isn't it? Team from non-league goes to a a much bigger team and well, not only holds their own but manages to beat them. I mean, sort of everything you talk about, isn't it, with the cup with the massive upsets, and that was definitely the biggest upset of this round. But who they got next round? Um, Everton away. Everton away. It's a good draw for them. It's a gimme. It's a gimme, isn't it? Yeah, Frank Lampard's Everton. That is true. Frank Lampard's Everton. They're no longer called Everton. They're now called Frank Lampard's Everton. Everyone get that down. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, I think it's a great... Obviously, it was quite a good round, I think. Forum was scoring with their only shot on target. Does it count in off the post on target? No, Tony would be off target, wouldn't it? It's off target, so they scored with one of their other two shots. Um, They had 17% of the ball, which is just phenomenal stuff. I mean, it really is great. That's excellent. (laughs) And uh, and yeah, the the manager's reaction, it it was brilliant, wasn't it? That's that's what we want to see in the FA Cup, some giant killings. Yeah, because... The, the FA Cup the last couple of years has felt quite like almost like a bit of a procession in the fact that in the early rounds, like it's just been bigger teams, smaller, put bigger teams putting people to the sword. Whereas in most of the games this weekend, it felt a little bit more competitive. I mean, Chelsea had a really good game against Plymouth. Plymouth were excellent. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, Definitely. Fulham scored against City before going on to get battered. Um, yeah, but who doesn't get battered at City? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? I mean, in at least that's a bit it's a bit different and obviously you've got the upset here i mean going back to the kid of minster oh, west ham thing, to concede not to, to concede in the 90th minute and almost be on the verge of winning and then not to get to penalties in the 120th minute that is that classic football manager the computer's off it's <laughs> in the bin you just you've had enough isn't it i, I think football as a whole is like no yeah. please no dave um you watched the game. I mean, I must confess, I was watching the Chelsea game instead. What did you actually make of it as a contest? It was, 
Honestly, it, it sort of blew my mind a bit. West Ham were struggling to get into the game for quite a while. I mean, I was I was watching it and I was almost shouting at the TV. Like West Ham players were taking less time on the ball against Kidderminster than they than they do in Premier League games. I was like, you have so much time on the ball here. What are you doing? Like they just kept throwing the ball at the pitch, like over hitting it. They didn't even play with a, a recognised striker. Just throwing it down the pitch. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you'll get obviously given the nature of Kidderminster and the the golf and fitness levels, but also I guess the quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you've got more time on the ball than you're ever afforded in a Premier League game, and this is what you're doing when you have that extra time. And Kidderminster had plenty of shots, plenty of the ball, passing it around for a while. There's a couple of minutes in like the 80th minute where West Ham literally couldn't get the ball off them. I mean. Fair play to them. I, I mean, in terms of cup performances, I can remember of like a non-league team. I mean, that's that's probably up there for the best that I've seen. I mean, they really were exceptional. They really worked Go- hard, but also looked good. They look. They obviously, to be honest, they could have passed off as like a championship team. I mean, West Ham weren't great, but they more than held their own against Premier League opposition. They were genuinely in the game the whole time. Yeah, and, and I mean, looking at the lineups, you got you have got a strong spine there. I mean, you got I mean, you start with Diop and Zoom, which is usually what you've got, and then you've got Ben Rama and Bowen, who obviously first teamers. Um, took Wright coming on really to change the game. Is that a bit of a worry for West Ham? Do you think, lads? Like we've been talking so much about yeah. how good they've been, but we know that so often in long seasons, the difference between the absolute top, top, top who get all these results and get into the top four is that squad depth. Do you think games like this are a little bit worrying or do you think it's not fair to place the blame solely at West Ham's door? I think, I think if you're West Ham, I mean, obviously the players are probably a bit concerned, but I mean, if you're David Moyes, I mean, there's some alarm bells going here. I mean, these are the games where you hope Players like Yarmolenko step up to the plate and he scores a hat trick. He was bad. Issa Diop. Issa Diop. T- oh my God. I don't know who they sent out on the pitch, but it's not the Issa Diop I've seen before. He made about four fouls in the first 20 minutes. If it was a Premier League game, he was off the pitch. I can't believe he didn't get booked. He just kept giving away fouls. He couldn't even control the ball. It was an absolute disaster. I think he off. Should have done. Oh, <laughs> We are, like, we are blaming West Ham. We are blaming West Ham. Manuel Abue stuff. Really good. Right. I mean, going back to the point of what we were saying, I think with West Ham, you hope these are the games where the players that you're maybe not sure about more than prove themselves. I mean, come on, you're having to bring Rice off who off the bench who obviously you didn't want to play in this game. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's concerning. And I mean, they have had so many games coming thick and fast, but I think there's only so much you can sympathise with the players, especially against opposition with six divisions below them. I mean, yeah, concerning to say the least for West Ham. I Two. mean, where do, the, where do the players go from here? I mean, it was a pretty strong team. Like, oh, yeah, but 
Okay, so who's on that prime game, for example? I mean, you've struggled to get past Kidderminster, even though you won. Are you really going into your next prime game with loads of confidence? I can't imagine that. Uh, oh, they're playing Watford. No, they'll be no, fine. No, they're absolutely fine. Absolutely <laughs> fine. It's Watford. Um, two things about West Ham. The first one is my absolute favourite tweet of the weekend, which is some bloke was tweet- tweeted. He said, he said, I hope Vladimir Putin's not watching the West Ham game because I've I've been watching Yarmolenko for thirty minutes and I'm ready to go to. Um, war with Ukraine, <laughs> which is my absolute favourite tweet of the weekend. I was like, that is hilarious. Um, and then the second thing is, have you seen what they've done with their Europa League tickets? Yeah, not 70, oh, 75 quid for an adult if you buy them now, but if you buy them later, the prices may be more because they reserve the right to change them based on who they draw. Yeah, that's disgraceful. So you get Barcelona, you could be looking at 100 quid plus. Yeah, crazy that they've done that. I mean, <sighs> no, that's that's terrible. <clears throat> we, that's me cool. and Dave went to watch uh, for our sins, Peter with Blues the other week. Who? <laughs> no, I'm, I've never heard of Peter either. Me neither. Um, me neither. But yeah, <laughs> Peter Borough. I don't think there's any cap in the Prem. The cap away tickets don't they and I these are the sort win, of yeah. things that we've got to be doing more of around european competitions Ima- imagine you're coming over from let's say barcelona you've got to pay for your flight you've got to pay for somewhere to stay you've got to pay for your ticket the amount that that's costing just prices so many people out who would want to go and yeah. actually in theory probably deserve to go not even that. joke that's like, horrendous west ham's known as a bit of a is known as a working class club yeah at least that's my my takeaway for west ham is that it's a working class club and to price out those fans who are probably your most loyal fans from going to massive games that they've waited for years to go to is not right in my opinion no i agree there's yeah. we've got to do something about this well florentino perez when he was doing the super league has said young people just don't care about um football they don't care about european football and i've always thought to myself the best way to get you not you get young people passionate about football is to make it cheap for them to go to games uh, make it accessible for them to go and make it accessible make it cheap make it so it's make it so you don't need a cheese board if you go in let's do that it's all fun yeah the or prawn sandwich, Although, prawn sandwich. <laughs> nice, <though>. okay <laughs> um right so I want to talk about Leicester, if that's possible, because, Dave, you said you watched the second half of the Leicester game. I didn't because I refuse to watch any Leicester football at the moment. Um, But when I first looked the score up, they were losing 3-0 to Nottingham Forest. How much worse did it get from there? I mean, ended 4-1, but, I mean, honestly, they could have, from what I watched, they could have conceded, like, six or seven here. And even at... Even at half time, uh, there was commentators saying, like in the half time analysis, there could have been five or six at half time. So imagine both halves were the same. I mean, God, Leicester looked bad at the back. Nottingham were better in absolutely like every single aspect. I mean, this Leicester team always looked like they're playing without any belief. And obviously, since what we've associated with Leicester is that they just believe in themselves for a good a long time now. Like that spirit, the players just look like they don't really care. So I don't know, maybe maybe they've had enough of Rodgers. I don't know. But something's obviously amiss there because they just, 
they were just so poor, but they didn't even look like they cared. Rogers does I... seem to have a bit of a <clears throat> lifespan. That seems. I, I wanted to talk about this because if I want, well, I'll start with a question actually. Give me if you had to use like three words to sum up Brendan Rogers' football, what would you use? What would those three words be for you? Normally, normally when it's actually <laughs> ideal, because my thought is, I think, I think to his, I think to his top tier um, Liverpool, I think to his top tier the uh, Liverpool, Leicester, what they've been, which is they've had a lot of the attack with pace, they've been good to watch at times, but there's also yeah. been that bit of steel there. That's what I would say. And you, what, mm. but I would never accuse him of being a particularly defensive manager. Is that fair? No, no I agree. I was going to say. When I think of a Brendan Rodgers team, I think of pace, spine, and just progressive. Like, they're always looking to get the ball up the pitch, most of the yeah, well, like, of his teams. Well, this is the thing I wanted to ask you, because I know, I think we all know that they've been absolutely crocked with injuries, haven't they? Like, they've struggled all season with injuries, and it's left them perhaps with the back four not being great. And yeah. some, of the def- some of the defending... You only have to watch watch the way Suyuncu gets done on a one-two to basically never want to watch football again. But <laughs> what I don't what I don't understand from Rogers' perspective is the way that in games this season he's decided to they've take they've done well and they've dropped back and he clearly doesn't have the facility to do that. Like he, his team can't defend that way. Like I think back to the the Brighton game. Um, where they went one up and then they sort of well then they just let that lead slip because they decided after scoring to just shut up shop and focus on that defense and like occasionally it's going to work let's think about the Liverpool game where they went one nil up and defended for their lives occasionally that can work but most of the time it's not working for them and I feel like Roger started to do that thing that a lot of managers have where they're just like it's going wrong I'm just going to throw loads of shit at the wall. I'm going to see what sticks and hopefully enough sticks so I can get my players back and we work together. But this slump has been going on since the back half of last season. So yeah, it has, yeah. Do you, is it a case for you two that you just think it's time for Leicester to think about that next move? It's definitely getting to that point because for a while, I think injuries was a decent excuse that you can, and that's fine. But after a while... You start to think, that, well, even not necessarily a while, but fairly soon you you need to come up with something else if your players aren't coming back. And uh, it seems like Rogers hasn't come up with much at all, if anything. And they're just doing very similar things week after week. They're really flaky. They still can't defend, even with the players who are there. And they've started to get some of their better players back, and they still just... They still look lost. I mean, some of the goals. Soyuncu looks looks more like a Disney character when he defends than anything else at the moment. Um, <laughs> than a Premier League defender. So yeah, I think it, it, it's certainly the pressure's going to start piling up if the if the results yeah. aren't coming. Yeah. They, are they still in the Europa League too, or did they go out of that? Test my knowledge. Uh, but they went out of Europa League, didn't they? Thought they might have. They'd... I mean that's yeah it looks like they're out so that's not you would have expected them to get through there 
Let's, they obviously didn't. Quickly talking about the Leicester, the Leicester project, because obviously they've not made the Champions League the last couple of seasons. They've come ridiculously close, like preposterously close, and they're not going to make it this season. What do you think that says about the state of the game that Leicester, who have bought so well, who have scouted so well, who have spent the money so well, can't compete with clubs like Chelsea, City, United and Liverpool? And I don't want to put Liverpool and City in the same banner as Chelsea and United, because I think they're very well-run clubs. And I think Chelsea are less well-run and I think United are not well-run. So, but what do you think about the way that the game is that a team can't really build a project to get to that level unless they're historically really successful, like Liverpool it's quite United disheartening. or <clears throat> New Money, like Chelsea and Man City? Yeah, it is quite disheartening because you feel like Leicester have made almost every decision right, and then mm-hmm. then they still can't quite get there. Obviously, they won a league. That was a bit of a freak. Um, mm-hmm. We everyone knows about that season, but as far as sustained success breaking into the top four, it is very, very difficult against the yeah the his, historically big clubs who have these huge fan base and the churning money or the new money, the likes of Man City, potentially Newcastle going forward. It's uh yeah, it's difficult because you what you'd like to see some new names in there, which obviously Leicester have been in and around, great podcast, the uh, the fight for the top four. But now, a couple of bad signings and suddenly you're not not even in the running. You're hardly top ten. Mm-hmm. It, the thing is, I think, it to compare it to basketball, there was a, in basketball there was an idea, if there was an analytics explosion, and it's quite the same in football really, there's an analytics explosion and it gave some of the less good teams in less markets a chance because they they were able to be smarter, like they shot more threes for example, they were able than some of the older teams did which helped them to win for a while and it has felt over the last couple of years that let teams like Leicester have just been smarter than some of the big clubs in terms of scouting and stuff, but now you look at particularly what Liverpool do and the way they scout for players and the way they look at players and their talent evaluation has got so much smarter that they've, and then when they've got the finances to really back that up, it's just, and they've got that name recognition with players too. It just leaves the playing field even worse, I feel. Um, But hey, there's God knows how many clubs there are in England. I think if you offered most of them, consecutive fifth place finishes in the Premier League in an FA Cup, they'd bite your hand off. Uh, 100%. It's just so yeah. difficult to sustain and, and really build a foothold in that top four. I think that's the what's so hard. You can get in there on a season here and a season there, yeah. but it but it's building that sustained. I mean, for Leicester, they'd have to get pretty much every decision right, probably for about a decade. And they, I think they'd still have to hope that one of those other clubs got every decision wrong for a decade. Yeah, which in Man United's case and Spurs and Arsenal, you've got some candidates there, but <laughs> you've got a chance. Yeah, you're in with a shout, aren't you? But uh, yeah, I think it is kind of disheartening for, for clubs like that. I do think the time's coming where we need to um, need to look at creating a breakaway league for these clubs, perhaps. <laughs> Football, do a different thing of the money and then beat teams into the Premier League I think it's the way forward do away with below the championship you know all that kind of great stuff um speaking of some lower league dross Dave have you got any other um 
<laughs> FA Cup games you want to talk about? <laughs> he says massively tongue in cheek. Uh, you uh, said Leicester, while while Dave's trying to find out, Leicester in the in the Europa Conference League, uh, they've got Randers in the next round. However you say that. Oh, do from. away with it. Do away with the UEFA Conference League. No one needs it. No <laughs> Randers. Oh wow, the Danish team. Um, did you know that? Please, please sign a player from them about ten years ago, and he's absolutely fucking dross. Okay. They do you know who owns Blues? No. <laughs> I've, read like, I've read like four articles about Blues this week, and I've got a clue who owns Blues. Even as that's a big problem. Isn't it some woman called like Susan in like China, and you go to her house, and she hasn't got a clue who Blues are or something? <laughs> Honestly, God. probably the secretary. Yeah. Um, but anyone want to touch on another FA Cup game? I mean, yeah, Armstrong's goal for Southampton. There's an angle from behind it. Is an absolute beauty. Uh, in their their two-one win over Cov, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Peterborough. If you don't know where that is, look it up. Who? Uh, there you got through. <laughs> Because uh, there's a there's a great video from the city fan on Twitter doing the rounds at the moment, <coughs> who who wanted to know what a Peterborough was, which is just fantastic value. Uh, Frank Lampard's Everton, of course, four-one winners against Brentford. Good start for him. Oh, hold on, I want to talk about this quickly because I've been fighting for my life this week, lads. Fighting for my life. I've been defending the honour of Dominic Calvert-Lewin all week. And people are trying to tell me that he's not a good player. And I just want to put it on record, on audio record. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a fine striker. And a fine striker who would probably be better if he wasn't being serviced by Richarlison, Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. There we are. But anyway, look at that. They get, get, rid, of, club, they get rid of a dinosaur. In Rafa Benitez, they employ Frank Lampard, the master of the um, haha serious interview, um, and four goals going. Incredible. Amazing. Incredible. What a turnaround. <coughs> Sky's the limit. It's really well, fucking up. It, yeah, it certainly isn't. But um, and also worth mentioning Harvey Elliott's goal on his return. Yeah. yeah. Nice to see that after so long out. He's a good. He's a bloody good player. So yeah, nice to see him score at Anfield. What do you think wow. of all? What do you think of all the not? To, I'm look. I'm dragging us back to Everton for the third week running. What? What do you think of all the criticism that Deli Ali's been getting? First of all, for turning up at training in a Rolls Royce, then for turning up at his unveiling in street clothes. Lampard's had to come out and defend him, saying, "I don't really care what he does off the pitch as long as he's playing well on it." What do you make of everyone like Glenn Hoddle having a little dig at him? Fair. I think it. I don't really get it, if I'm honest. I think I don't really see why it matters that much what what he wears. I don't get it. I mean, uh, uh, it baffles me a bit, to be honest. I mean, if it if we're a certain age where when players got unveiled, they're all wearing suits or whatever, and he turns up in casual clothes, yeah, maybe there's something to talk about. But how often does that happen? I mean. So many players get unveiled in like fairly casual clothes when they come out onto the pitch or whatever. I don't, I don't really get why this is being talked about. Uh, people just like to whinge, don't they, about something? 
Yeah, they do. I mean, if you want to whinge about something, let's talk about his hair, because that is horrendous. <laughs> this is the only reason they brought Deli Alley up. He can clearly afford a Rolls Royce. He can wear what he likes to go and stand on the pitch until he's going to play. So, yeah, I also don't really have an issue with any of that, but I would like him to sort out his hair before his debut. Donny van der Beek as well. Could have done with him against Borough. No? I'm not. I mean, I just uh, I just don't even think I care anymore about what's going on there. They're so bad. Um, okay, right. I'm going to read the ties in the next round for you, and I want quick fire. Who do you think is going to win? Sure. Man City. Peterborough versus Man City. Sorry, Peterborough. Who versus Man City? <laughs> Man City. Dave? Man City. Luton Town versus Chelsea. I mean, Luton. I wouldn't like to go to Luton, but Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea. Liverpool versus Norwich. Oh, Norwich got through. That's the team. Oh, that has to be Liverpool. Look, Norwich should have a championship next to their name. I'm sorry. They just should. Um, yeah, Middlesbrough, yeah. Middlesbrough at home to Tottenham. Ooh, Middlesbrough could do a job on them too. I, I'm, going, I'm going for it. Spurs He's going. Home. Uh, Dave? I want to go with Middlesbrough as well. Up the Wilder. Up the Wilder. Southampton versus West Ham. Ooh. Southampton. You, you cannot pick West Ham, Dave. No, that's true. It's got to be Southampton. <laughs> I saw it at the weekend. Palace versus Stoke, which... Oh, oh I tell you what, my God. No, a few years ago, could you imagine what that game would look like? It would look like trench warfare. <laughs> I, I can imagine it. If we asked Pod Ross what the Watford-Burnley game would, was like... Well, you've hold on. We're talking about Vieira champagne football now. Come on. Yeah, now it's better. Now it's yeah. better. Honestly, have you ever seen... a Crystal Palace, do you think in their, do you think in their um, like scouting room, it's like that scene in Sunderland? Um, to, to die, where he's sort of like oh we could get Zlatan up front and instead they've just got a board of like five and a half out of ten strikers and they're like oh we'll have him has he got a bit of pace and skill but he's not going to put the ball in the back of the net we'll have him what I'm loving is that Watford saw the turnaround from what Vieira's managed to get out of the same team that Roy Hodgson had and they've gone <laughs> right we'll have a bit of what Roy Hodgson was producing last year <laughs> Palace. I haven't seen Roy Hodgson's um, unveiling at press conference, but no doubt it contains the words to the effect oh, of, oh, oh, the wife has uh, had enough of me already around the house or something. He's nailed on to say Got something to like that, isn't Got it? to be, hasn't it? Isn't it? Anyway, Crystal Palace versus Stoke. Who do you think's winning? Lewis Baker now at Stoke, if that sways you. Oh, um, Palace. <laughs> Palace, Palace, okay. Um, Frank Lampard's Everton versus Borenwood. Borenwood, clearly. I'll go Everton, but I don't like it. Uh, Everton aren't playing. It's Frank Lampard's Everton, but I'll take that answer. Nottingham <laughs> uh, Forest versus Huddersfield Town in the only championship versus championship matchup of the day. Nothing unless you... Unless you can. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Forest. <laughs> OK. Well, who's your favourite to win the whole thing, City? Yeah. Uh, what was it I said the other day? West Ham and then they're struggling against National League North. Ugh. No, but the main the main thing is they made it through, Dave. That's I if I had something, they would have cruised through to a six 0 or something. Quite the, quite the cup run, isn't it, for them? Um, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our new segment. Oh, before we get there, Mike, you got anything to say about Jolinton? Uh, not much of a report this week. Newcastle uh, out the cup, so they had a week off. He's on, 
He's fresh for Tuesday night against Everton. Sorry, Frank Lampard's Everton. Everton. Thank you. What a, what a midfield battle that is. Tom Davis versus John Linton. Um, well, tune in. It's your Tuesday night, everybody. <laughs> tune in. Dave, we've already done the start of the week, um, so we don't need you to do that. But what we do need is your new segment, which is terrorist Twitter takes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, David Harris loves to spend time on Twitter. He gets some of his worst footballing opinions from Twitter. He also gets some of his best footballing opinions from Twitter, including whether or not Luis Diaz is 42 years of age. <laughs> Dave, this week, what tweet have you got for us? Uh, well, it's not it's not one specific tweet. It's more a group of tweets that I've seen. Um, oh, so, yes. Mane was obviously delighted with winning the AFCON uh, with Senegal. And basically, he he called... So, he basically said the best day of his life is winning the AFCON. I've won the Champions League and some other trophies, but this one is special for me. Liverpool fans jumping on his back saying, how dare he call call our league other trophies? He's been with us six years. I saw one tweet. He's been Senegalese his whole life, you fucking idiot. <laughs> That's what he said. How can he not care about our league? And he's been for six years. He's from Senegal. Oh. He's, that is fantastic. He's been Senegalese all his life. He's got an, it's an all-time David Harris one. All-time. That's excellent. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you really jumping on him for celebrating an international trophy? No, you can't. Uh, they really are. Senegal's first ever African Cup of Nations, by the way. Hold on, I found it, I found it. It's a guy called Sean D-O-L-F-C. No one is mad at that. It's the dismissal of the Premier League when Bloke's been here six years. Oh, um, I say this with all the affection in the world. That guy's a complete and utter prat. Um <laughs> He's, uh, you see him on Twitter complaining all the time and I've blocked him because he's just, honestly, there's only so much idiocy you can take before it starts to rot your own brain. Anyway, that'll do us for this week. Oh, Wazak of the Week, Dave, give me that guy's name again. Uh, <laughs> Sean D-O, hold on, I've, I've clicked off it. LFC. Sean D-O-L-F-C, there you go. He's your Wazak of the Week. Okay. He's your Wazak of the Week. Um... That'll do us for this week. If you want to keep up with Dave to see all the various things he's liking on Twitter, not always a good policy. Um, Dave, where can they do that? Uh, it's at he's been here six years. He's been here six years. It's actually at Dave Harris underscore 44. That's when he can operate the Twitter sphere, given what's happened to his extremities. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mikey Bresley on Twitter. Yeah, you can watch Mike... Um, like all of United's many, many tweets about Ronaldo, including ones that suggest that you do a couple of sous a day. You know what they say, Mike? A hundred sous a day keeps the doctor at your door. And you can follow me at World17, but instead, please don't. Do. <laughs> please follow us at In and Around Pod on all the socials. We can keep up to date with the podcast and what we're enjoying on Twitter. Just to be honest, what we're going through, because sometimes over there is a stream of consciousness. I'm particularly looking forward to getting the Club World Cup action underway. Um, I also look forward to Timo Werner. I look, for, I look forward to Timo Werner dismissing it in December when Germany have won the World Cup and people saying he's been here for two years. <laughs> um, looking forward to that very much. Um, I'll tell you what, Mike, you know we talked about Ballon d'Or earlier. Mendy wins that. He wins an FA Cup. The Cup of Nations. We've got to start talking about him as a, a ghost contender. He might just sneak into the top three. He might J5-esque. 
I would love an African team to win the World Cup, by the way. I mean, I'd love England to win the World Cup, but I'd love an African team to win the World Cup. Maybe it could be Senegal, in which case, Mane, the Blondor, maybe. That'd be fun. I'll tell you what, Ismail Lasalle winning the Blondor while playing for Watford would perhaps be the greatest thing to ever happen in football, and we will leave you with that thought. <laughs> Goodbye. Sign Cheers. Out.